Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. This is our recap show of Dolphins Chiefs. And it's a full boat. We have Simon Clancy back from Frankfurt. And we have Chris Kaufman. As always, this show is brought to you by Factor Meals. Use the promo code three yards per carry five zero. That's the number three yards per carry five zero, and you get fifty percent off your first order. Prize picks. Use the promo code three yards. That's the number three yards. You deposit one hundred dollars, you get one hundred dollars. There are no catches. It sounds it. It happens the same way I'm telling you. It happens. You deposit one hundred, you get one hundred. Go to betteredge.com forward slash five reasons at the number five reasons you get $20 just for signing up. And of course, Manscaped, use the promo code five RSN 20% off and free shipping on all your orders. If you use the promo code five RSN. And of course we are, we are kind of spot. We're sponsored by two types of liquor. Okay. We got to move on to like vodka and then uh, maybe get a bourbon involved, maybe a wine. But we have black coral rum. If you want to learn more about a rum that's distinctly Florida, it's not available everywhere, okay? It's only available mostly South Florida, I believe up to your way, Chris, in Tampa. Black coral rum, if you want to learn more, go to steeltiespirits.com. And, of course, Balcones Whiskey. And that is available everywhere. So, and try their, their steel pot bourbon. It's really, really, really good. So, Impressed, Simon? We're sponsored by two types of liquors. We got to move on to vodka, and then we got to get a brandy, a wine, a wine. Can we get like a really good white wine? Yeah, uh, have yeah, like maybe a Pinot Grigio, or even a a Moscato. Yeah, we we got to get sponsored by every single type of liquor, so that way I could retire. All right, you heard his voice. He's kind of a celebrity. He's he's a big deal. There was a lot of losers in this game, but if there was ever one big winner. It was it was it, it was Simon Okay, I've got a very I got a very very funny story to tell actually quickly, which I actually haven't told you too. Um, uh, I did uh, radio commentary for the national radio. Uh, I didn't commentate. I did co- color comms for the first time ever uh, with a friend of mine, Will Gavin, uh, on Talksport over here at uh, the weekend. And um, Will interviewed Drew Tranquil at the same press at the at the Chiefs equivalent of the press press conference I was at with Mike McDaniel, and uh, we were fortunate enough to get pre-game 
uh, field access passes. So obviously just kind of walking around and soaking up the atmosphere and it was amazing. Players are like walk, walking around and warming up and everything. And Chris Greer's there, Marino and Garfinkel and Andy Reid and uh, Stephen Ross and Roger Goodell and everybody was was kind of there. And uh, Drew Tranquil came over to Will and said, uh, I wasn't there, I was on the other side of the field, but Drew Tranquil came over to Will, who'd interviewed him on Friday, and shook hands and said, oh, good to see you, hope the interview was all right. Then he said, do you know that other English guy that Mike McDaniel was speaking to? (laughs) (laughs) So it's even kind of made player level, which I find, I mean, look, in all seriousness, I have found it slightly weird. It's been, it's been a bit overwhelming, I've got to say, the, the kind of the, like my phone has kind of been absolutely melting and like the uh, the video i did myself it's like three million people have watched that like my my son was sending me like five million people on tiktok and and then like just notification after notification and messages from people and colin cowherd and cameron wolf and andrew whitworth and Kay adams and it 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 just gets a little bit like Kay adams did you say Kay adams you know gentleman never talks but no so more that like people either messaging you or like or, or sending you messages or you know quote like retweeting it or saying this is amazing and that sort of stuff and obviously those big accounts that just generates more and more and more and so like every single time i logged onto my phone I, like i logged onto my phone at the at my laptop at the um the stadium it said i had 1872 new notifications and i'd only looked at it about two hours before it was just like it's crazy it was it was a little bit crazy and uh, just getting like instagram messages from people because i have a private instagram account because i only really use it for like my kids and family and stuff i don't i'm not a big instagrammer in terms of putting stuff on there and um but yeah it's all been slightly weird but you know it, it's been good and what was really weird although sweet but weird was being in the Dolphins bar in Frankfurt on the Thursday night and then like people coming up to me and, and saying, Oh Simon and like that that was a bit weird. Um uh, but very sweet. Like did you uh, send any autographs? No, I had fun. people ask for photos, which I you know, which to me is weird because I'm just me and but they were all really sweet about it. And a couple of the guys were from OnlyFins actually. So Steve Watts and his lovely wife were, were out there and, and and they asked for some photos, but then Hugh McGee and there were, there were a few other people that were like, it was kind of a line of people, Dolphins fans who were down on the sideline pre-game, but kind of behind, you know what it's like. It's kind of a railed off area where certain fans, certain fans get to go and stand pre-game. And there was a group of people um and they were all like shouting me over, which it was lovely to meet them, and it was really sweet. But I'm just slightly weirded out by it, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to the to the lovely people I've met, not at all. It's just like I'm just a I'm just a person. I'm not you know, even remotely famous. And then somebody sent me a picture on Twitter they'd taken of me walking around from the <laughs> from when I was around, and they were in the stands, um, which again was really sweet that they noticed me. But again, like just feels a bit weird, but. <laughs> But, but again, I don't mean that in a detrimental way to the person that took the photo at all. It's just weird for for me and not weird for them or weird that they did it. It's lovely they did it. I just yeah, I'm just not really used to that sort of thing. Yeah, so, I got a, it, I got I got a pretty big kick out of uh, when everybody. Um, I think it was Marcel Louis Jacques who first said, "No, nah, very." A very knowledgeable English gentleman uh, asked the question, and everybody got into his mentions. Yeah, to tell no, him, I, I that's Simon bad. Clancy of three yards per carry, asshole. <laughs> And like looking at so loads of people kind of sprung to the defense, which was which was again lovely, and it's been great for the podcast. And and Sarah Cordona had me on um, 
uh, NBC and I obviously trailed the podcast and I was I was asked and Simon Clancy from Three Yards Per Carry, which is all great and it, it was lovely. I, I have felt slightly uncomfortable with all the kind of unnecessary um, strays that the beat writers have taken because, you know, I wasn't there being a beat writer. I'm there essentially. You know, part of the question was that, you know, to get some feedback that we could feed back into the podcasts that we do and the, and the content that we provide, but also, you know, helps me when I do a magazine piece of the Dolphins get to the playoffs or into the Super Bowl. You know, that those sorts of answers really help what I can do for the magazine. I'm not there in a beat writer capacity. And I must have had, I mean, I genuinely can't tell you how many messages I've had and I've tried to reply to as many as possible. Um, I would say in the plus 10,000 maybe, mm-hmm. um, of people sending me messages and a lot or and a lot of messages I've seen have been like, oh, you know, reporters in America should take note. And, you know, in Atlanta, we get reporter X saying, you know, hey, Arthur Smith, I like your moustache and those sorts of things. Or, you know, you get a million questions on what your opinion <laughs> on Taylor Swift is. The job of a beat writer is incredibly different to the job of somebody who's, you know, compiling information for long form you know, so I, I do feel really bad that that, that that people like Marcel and who are lovely, you know, the, uh, the Dolphins beat reporters, um, I, I really like and have always been incredibly generous with their time and their friendship and messages and those sorts of things. Um, and it was lovely to, I'd never met Marcel before, and it was lovely to meet him um, on Thursday. But nice to catch up with Joe Shad and Dan Oyafusi and David Ferronis, who I'd never met before, but I'd had conversations with, and you know, lovely to meet them and chat. And we, we chatted for, for, for quite a long time, but um. I felt slightly uncomfortable with journalists like getting a, a bit of stick for it because the, the responsibility and roles that they do on a day-to-day basis compared to what I was doing are two completely different things. And but yeah, it's been um it's been good. I mean it was great to talk to McDaniel. It was great that he um he had that reaction. It was a bit disappointing that we lost because I wanted to talk to him again post-game. And and part of the reason for doing it as well is there's a longer game to this, right? It's that, you know. Maybe McDaniel comes on the podcast in the off season, or I get to go and talk to him for twenty minutes, um, and building relationships with Anne and obviously with Brett, who I know really well in the press office anyway. But uh, and they're always incredibly helpful and giving, as you well know, Alf, because you're there all the time. But um, but yeah, that's the longer game, right? It's to you know, in in the hope that next time you know I'm at a press conference and McDaniel's there and I get to ask a question. He's like, oh, you're the guy from the, and that's plants a seed. It's the same thing that happened with Aaron Rodgers. You know, go back to when I first spoke to him in New England. And that planted a seed for the following week where he remembered me, planted a seed for the following time when I saw him um, in Green Bay. It planted a seed for when he came to London and he walked over and shook my hand and then planted a seed for the, the press conference and the game two days later when, you know, he said what he said uh, to my question. So um, it's seed planting and it helps us in the podcast. And that's really you know, all after sound it. So Simon, since you're the Aaron Rodgers guy, is he coming back? He's coming back, right? I he's, he's absolutely coming back. I don't think he's coming back for the Black Friday game, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's back for the game in Miami. He's definitely coming back this season. Okay. Well now there is now that's breaking news, people. That's, but that's not inside information. That's no, that's just, just that's just a wild guess that he just pulled out of no. his ass, but still he's we're throwing it out there. But I refuse I was... to believe that that is inside information. You heard it here first. We are breaking it. <laughs> I want there credit. I saw him last week, though, um, you know, in the pregame warm-ups, because, again, I had sideline, we had sideline access, and we're wandering around, and he was there throwing. And he wasn't just standing and throwing either. He was taking three-step drops, planting off the back foot and throwing. So, uh, to me, he's definitely coming back before the end of the season, which is why you know, we need to pile up these wins to keep the Jets out of the, the race, because you don't want Aaron Rodgers coming back with the Jets still with a chance to, I mean, Christ, can you imagine? I mean, if they win tonight, they're, what, they're half a game out of the lead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's scary. We need, we need, we need Justin. All we Dolphin stands. We need, uh, <laughs> we need Justin on side tonight. This oh is, my god! This is the last we, we need a Justin. We need a Justin Herbert clutch game. Really? Are you telling us telling us that Simon? Like really? We do. We need we need Justin to be the guy that you know we know he can be because he is that good and he is a talented talented guy. We need him to you know step up and turn in a big time performance. This one's in New York, isn't it? Yeah, it's in New York. The game's in New York. I don't know about Justin Herbert because you know I think he's playing pretty generally played pretty well like yeah, this season. Too. Um you know, except for like right when I talked him up, I don't want. See, I'm I'm wary of the reverse jinx because I talked him up like a lot uh, recently, like a couple weeks back, and I was like, you know, yeah, I'm whether you want to accept it or not, he's having a good season. You know, he's he's having a really good season. Mm-hmm. And then right as I talked him up, he had the game that even Chargers fans are like, yeah, I have to admit, Justin Herbert really fucked that one up. <laughs> I, I feel bad for him in a way because he had that game the the week that that, that we scored seventy. He had that arguably the greatest game that nobody ever remembers because one team in the NFL won by fifty points because he was forty of forty six for four hundred and sixty eight yards and four touchdowns or something ridiculous like that in a Chargers win, and which was like and apparently he was absolutely unbelievable. But literally nobody cares because the Dolphins yeah. won seventy twenty and <laughs> beat beat another professional team by fifty points. Well, you know yeah. what? I'll I'll take I'll take that sort of jabbing back and forth, you know, between between the two. Like, you know, he has a great game, but nobody cares because we scored seventy, as opposed to the constant bickering about, you know, oh, Justin Herbert actually sucks, or yeah, which, he uh, you know, which he obviously doesn't, uh, or you know, or on the other, because we have an uh, we have an unhealthy obsession as Dolphins fans. We I can speak for all of. We do. We have an unhealthy obsession with Justin Herbert. It's okay to admit it, <laughs> but um, but you know, I'll which take we that don't have with Joe Burrow actually, which is interesting. Who who yeah. is a legitimately top five quarterback? Yeah, and probably high, top three quarterback maybe. But well, yeah. you know that class, that class is going to go down. Yeah, right. Absolutely, as, absolutely. You know, just one, two, three, and then oh, let's add in Jalen Hurts onto it, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a absolutely so, great that's a great class. But let's so we'll uh, count on we'll count we're, we're in the unfortunate position of counting on the Chargers to try and win yeah. in order to help us out. Absolutely. And that as as someone who every now and then will uh, like to uh, to perhaps uh, I hate to use the word uh, bet, but uh, you know a wager on a game uh, here and there. Uh, counting on the Chargers to win when you need them to win is like one of the last things on earth that I ever want to be, want to be doing. <laughs> so Bram, so ca- counting Bram, on them tonight, I don't know. Bram, many new listeners who may have joined us after the last few days and the way that the podcast has kind of gone uh, a, a little bit viral. Chris likes gambling in the way that Tony Soprano likes women or that Scarface <laughs> likes Coke. <laughs> Are you saying Just that I don't like those other two things too? No, absolutely. I'm well aware that you have your peccadillos, Christopher. But um, oddly enough, I'm the one with the reputation of liking both, <laughs> which is weird. But yeah, enough of the Jets. Enough of all of this. We got to yeah, we got to get to yesterday. Yeah, we, let, let's dive into this game, and we're going to do a, a few minutes on this, and then in the second half of the show, we will dissect the issues with this team or the non-issues. But we will take the question that's being asked pretty much everywhere. I think I saw. I think I saw. I don't know an episode of. I don't know on Bravo about about this as well. Are the Dolphins frauds? And they use the word too. 
Are they frauds? What is the Great issue? Sports. What is the issue? And then I'm going to give you I'm going to give you my theory once we go around the horn on this. But what do you think is the issue with not being I, able to beat teams with winning records? And I'll start with you, Simon. Frauds. Yeah, I don't think they're frauds. Um, I don't think you can look. I said to tour after the game, I said there must be some solace that you get on the plane tonight. And actually, if you flip it, you think about it. You know, you had a touchdown catch to Tyreek that was brought back against Philadelphia. You had Tyreek walking into the end zone completely unguarded. The ball hits his knee and rolls rolls back for a, for a touchback um, or an incomplete pass. I can't remember how it ended up, but in that game against Philadelphia to tie the game, you're driving again to tie the game and you have the egregious face masks on, on Cedric Wilson, right? You know, yes, we lost the game. It was 31-17, but really that, doesn't, that score isn't necessarily a reflection of how that game was, but there were ample opportunities. Then on Sunday, it's 21-14, and we're driving to win the game, and it comes down to two plays. The third down play, you know, Mike McDaniel, Tua came into the press conference, said it was on his shoulders. Mike McDaniel then came in and said, look, it, it was essentially something that we'd installed on a Friday for that specific coverage for Cedric Wilson. It was a site adjustment. Tua gave the site adjustment, um, and Cedric essentially chose the wrong there was selection. McDaniel essentially there was a, a, a selection of routes he could have run, and Cedric chose the wrong one. I have a slight issue with that. In that, that throw of Tours was so sort of soft and lobbed. I don't really know what route Cedric would have run to catch that pass. If that makes sense, do you know what I mean? It was, seemed like right, such a yeah. I duck is the wrong word. It, it it was just like a sort of a, a little lofted kind of what I don't. Uh, th- there's no route combination that would that would. And my other issue with that is that even if to uh, even if Cedric is running the wrong route, at some point in that split second of those decisions, because Tua is such a good decision maker, you must see that Cedric's got two yards and you change. Do you know what I mean? You almost mm-hmm. like think, I'm just going to, yeah. you know. I, th- I think, to... Simon, I think that's exactly what happened, though. Um, yeah, I think so, too. I think they got caught like in two lines. Looked... It looked like a ball slip, right at yeah. first, and then and so, but then you look at it more, and it's it's not. I think I think he was basically trying to do what you were, what you're suggesting, which is you know kind of in mid throw, seeing that Cedric is doing something else, and I think he tried. I yeah, think when you try to adjust mid throw, it just it yeah. just ends up looking like a short circuit. I agree. I agree. And then the, look, the fourth down, like we can we can argue back and forth, and we've both got different opinions about the snap, and uh, you know, uh, and I don't think ultimately that's the issue per se, because you, there are two far bigger issues on that snap. If that if that snap is a better and B is caught, and I think you can blame each party without each party necessarily being at fault, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if you watch it back, and you certainly watch it back from the old twenty two. If if he catches the snap or the snap is perfect or both work, and Lester Cotton who absolutely whiffs on a block against Brian Cook, so Brian Cook is the blitzer that comes in and and, and Lester just completely whiffs on him. But if those two things happen, the snap is good and it's caught, and Lester Cotton blocks Brian Cook, Jalen Waddle is walking in for a touchdown because it's single, it, it's it's cover zero on the outside, but cover one over the top with Justin Reed, and Justin Reed gets caught taking a step to one side and Jalen comes underneath and he is, I mean, literally I could make the throw if he had the time just to, just to throw it across the field because Jalen just catches it and walks in. 
and then it's 21 all and you go into overtime or, or potentially you know McDaniel might even go for two so look for it, it yes of course it's disappointing and yes of course it is the Dolphins cannot beat these big teams that is just a fact at the moment but I'd rather be beating those teams in December and January than peaking in October and November and beating them and going, rah, 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 aren't we amazing? Look, we've beaten the Yes, of course, it'd be great to have one of those under your belt so you can just ruin those narratives, right? But we've got a five-game stretch. We've got a week off. Then we've got Los Angeles, Washington, Tennessee, the Jets, the Jets, okay? You win four out of five of those or five out of five of those, you're at 10 or 11 wins. And then you've got two out of three last, last games are at home, one against Dallas, on the road against Baltimore, at home against Buffalo. They're the games that you really want to, you know, that's the that's the key is you win one slash two of those and you're in the tournament and who knows what happens. Um, so yes, it's disappointing in the bigger picture in terms of getting home seed for the AFC, uh, for the AFC, for example. Uh, but we don't know what's going to happen. A lot of football's left to play, Chris. We just don't know how it's going to play out. And yes, whilst it's disappointing and it's disappointing these narratives keep happening, it feels like they're just one or two plays. And I know it feels like an excuse to fans listening, and I promise you it's not, but it, you know, and there are lots of things to sort out. You know, why why are the motions wrong at times? Why are the why can we not deal with the crowds? Why do we have big penalties and massive moments? Why do major plays, important plays, sometimes go wrong? Why do all of these things happen? Um, they've got to be ironed out, and I'm sure they will be ironed out, but this team isn't far away from beating one of those big teams, and at the moment they're a pretender, because they can't beat the big team, but they're not far away from being a contender, and I think that's my biggest takeaway, 24 hours, four hours on, Chris. Yeah, I think um, I think that you're you're kind of pointing at something that's um, that's kind of under the radar, something that slammed into place that's under, under the radar because of the result, and we're all depressed about the result, obviously, is um is what the defense showed uh in the game right and i mean this is this is a patrick mahomes offense this is an andy reed offense uh they were so you can talk about their receivers you can yeah you you can talk about the receiver talent all you want they still have a travis kelsey and they still you know um so this was this is a good offense and this was a road game turned out to be a hostile environment i think i underestimated just how hostile it would be uh in terms of crowd noise um you know it was impressive uh hat tip to uh to the people uh attending the game in frankfurt um but yeah this this is something that uh that happens under the radar is that the defense showed that they can play on the road and that they can also play now that everybody's healthy jalen ramsey's there xavier howard came back uh javon holland played the game everybody the, the the people that played in that game on defense including the rotators and exactly how they rotated that's the defense. That's the defense on paper. That's the one that they planned out, you know, in the offseason. Uh, and there it was performing against Patrick Mahomes, holding him to 14 points uh, on the road in a in a hostile environment, a very pro Chiefs crowd. So um, that went under the radar because of the result, the, the final result. And, and so instead of asking ourselves, why can't Miami win the big game? I think, you know, it's it's more of a nuanced or a detailed question about why can't Miami's offense be quite as, you know, not even not even quite as um, but, you know, be anything like what they are at home when they are on the road and they're faced with um, disruption, disruptive defenses, disruptive crowd noise, disruptive weather is another thing. We haven't even explored that yet because, you know, we haven't come across it yet and hopefully knock on wood, we don't. 
But, um, but you know, why can't the offense survive disruption? I think that's the question that we need to be asking ourselves uh, more instead of, you know, can, can the Dolphins beat the big games? I mean, obviously the Bills game was just a good old-fashioned fa- butt whooping. Um, you know, the Eagles game, as Simon alluded to, you know, you got to take some take some things from it in that, you know, they played with the Eagles pretty well. And I don't think that they beat I don't think that they, if they had somehow come ahead, come out ahead against the Eagles, I don't think they won on a play for play basis against the Eagles, but they clearly did better. And then in this game, you know, if the result had been Dolphins win, I'd have taken it as well. You know, there it is. It was a hard fought game and, and one team came out ahead. So I think that they're improving against good teams. I think they're improving on the road. Um, the thing that happened, the defense finally slammed into place. And, and so, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of good signs there. Um, but as for why the offense can't really, you know, survive disruptive factors, I think that that you have to point to the way that they've structured the offense. And, you know, the things that everybody talks about, uh, commonly referred to as, you know, uh, window dressing on the plays or the, uh, the bells and whistles or the, all the motion, all the orchestration, the choreography that happens before the snap, during the snap, um, and, and after the snap. The very, um, they, they've taken limitations, which are that they don't want Tua to get hit, and yet they don't necessarily have the offensive line to prevent it, right? Those are your limitations. So they, they had that to work with, and they said, okay, well, what do we do to account for those limitations? And it's like, okay, well, we're going to get the ball out quickly. We're going to hyperspeed everything. We're going to get the ball out super quick. Well, teams that get the ball out super quick can't push the ball down the field. That's just a normal thing that you see every year across the league. Um, if, you, if you're getting the ball out quick, you're not pushing it down the field. Well, the Dolphins don't want to settle for that. They want to push the ball down the field, and they want to get the ball out quick. So how do they do that? How do they make two plus two equal five, you know, essentially? And, and that's the question that they, they took to in the offseason. That's where they come up with these high-speed motions and this choreography and the window dressing and all the, the formation shifts and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a reason that conventional wisdom in the NFL has said, you know, we can't do all that necessarily because there's a lot that can go wrong. And the Dolphins are leaning on their ability um, with their players. They're leaning on Tua and his unique qualities to do it. They're leaning on the high speed of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and, and other players on the offense. And they're leaning on their ability as teachers to uh, get everybody on the same page. But where that ends up falling apart and where it seems to end up falling apart is whenever they face disruptive factors and crowd noise is a disruptive factor. Um, good defenses are disruptive in nature. They don't they don't want you to just, you know, allow a perfect play design to just uh, to just organically develop. And, and you know, they're, they're trying to be a bull in a china ch- shop. They're trying to disrupt you as a defense. And so I think good defenses are disruptive and, and the offense is not showing a robustness. Um, in the face of that sort of disruption. And that's the, that's the thing that they have to figure out going forward. And last note on the, the, the snap at the end, listen, I, I think of it this way. It's, it's simple. One, one wrong makes for a bad play and two wrongs make for a disaster. You know, and, and that, that's what happened on the play. Yes, it was a bad snap by Connor Williams. It was Tatua's wrong hand. It was outside his frame. 
Um, but also at the same time, Tua was moving at the snap. And I think that he was I think that he was sensing that blitz and that pressure, Simon, that you referred to uh, coming from, you know, coming from that right side. It was a six man. It was a six man pressure. Um, and I think that he kind of he kind of had a sense for that. And he was going to drop off to his left uh, a little bit behind more behind, um, you know, Teron Armstead and such. And then probably hit tire or not Tyree Phil Jalen Waddle on that wide open um, that wide open pass, and so he's kind of leaning at the snap. You know, these are the million things that Tua's got to account for on every single play. The last thing he really needs to be accounting for, in my opinion, is uh, a center you know firing rifling the ball at 100 miles an hour, uh, and God only knows where it's going to go. You know, and that's that's the the criticism that I have for Connor Williams as a center in this offense is you built an offense on precision, anticipation, uh, you know, timing and um, and speed. And and yet you have a center who is erratic with where he lo- where he places the ball when he's uh, when he's in shotgun. So um, so that's that's something the Dolphins are going to have to figure out during the bye week. Yeah, and I'll have some solutions to some of these things as soon as we come back from break. But first, these words. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. 
Or do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than 80 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water Cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. And speaking of those offensive issues on the road, dealing with crowd noise, uh, I started thinking about this today, and I was looking at the, the snaps. I was like, okay, there has to be an issue here. And I'm going to start looking at all of these these penalties that they had in this game. And then I'm going to look at some of the operation on third down. And sure enough, there's one thing that keeps showing up. They're going to the line with the play at eight or seven seconds. Then they have to run their motion, and they're snapping it at two and sometimes at one, sometimes at zero, okay? So there's a surefire way to fix all of this, okay? And it's been done before. Sam Weish in the 90s with the Cincinnati Bengals to combat crowd noise in Cleveland and Pittsburgh started a sugar huddle. The NFL since uh, made a rule where you had to declare your personnel. I don't think it's that big of a deal to have to declare your personnel early in in the 25-second play clock. But why not on the road have a sugar huddle? Line up at the line, call the play at the line, and that way you could be lined up with 15 seconds, 10 seconds even, and you could run all your motions, you could run all your plays. Because the issue is obviously the crowd noise because they're getting out of the huddle at home really quick and running all their motions and running their offense. On the road, they're having an issue in the huddle, and then they're getting out of the huddle late, and then they're lining up. The you know, I don't know why an offensive lineman or a wide receiver will be slow to get out of a huddle on the road and then be fast to get out of huddle, uh, out of the huddle at home if it's not the crowd noise. So that, I think, is the major issue in, in the operation. And I propose go old school. Go back to the 90s to so, what Sam Weiss did and run a sugar huddle on the road. It's as simple as that. That way, everybody has the play call at the line, ready to line up with ample time to snap it and run all your motions. Simple as that. Don't, do not keep the relay as it was at home. Do it completely different on the road. That way you have it early. What say you, Simon? Uh, I think that, yes, I think it's a, a, a good idea, and I think they'll probably try and do something in the bye. It, it seemed to me that the, the problems were happening with the same couple of players, actually, um, and it seemed to be Chase Claypool and, and, and Cedric Wilson, and I think a lot of it happened because Jalen Waddle was injured in and out of the lineup. Like I was watching because I was commentating and Waddle would go out and then he would come back in and there'd be a penalty and then he'd come back in and then he'd go out again and then somebody else would come in and then there'd be a, a penalty on the Chiefs and then the formation would change again and then Ingold would come back in and then Wilson was in motion and, he, and then he stopped and then he was being signaled to the other side of the field and then it, it all just seemed a little bit discombobulated and it just felt like Cedric was probably having to play positions that maybe he wasn't used to playing as much because Water wasn't in there as much. So I think a lot of it had to do with um with Jalen's limited availability I know he played a lot of snaps but he didn't uh -huh. he wasn't really uh, as active in route running on a lot of those snaps as he was listed as in for 
but they've got to overcome that. It was the same in Buffalo last year. It was the same in the playoffs last year. They've got to overcome those stupid pre-snap penalties or the timeouts they take because they can't get lined up. And Daniel talked about it on Friday. He talked about every single part of us, every single play has to work so perfectly to time. You know, it's not just Tua's job. It is Ingold moving at the right time. It is Claypool moving at the right time. It is the tackle doing it. Everything has to work as one unison piece. And if it doesn't, if a single fraction of that doesn't work, then the whole thing falls apart. And that kind of feels like it it happens too much on the road because of the crowd noise. And they're going to have to do something to overcome that. And I don't know whether sugar huddles will help that or, or what. Maybe it's just practicing inside the dome with a, with a noise really loud all the time and just getting it down, getting it down, getting it down, getting it down. I don't know, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, so one of the, Alf, one of the, um, the issues with, uh, first off, Simon, I think, I think you're right. I probably, I think it probably does boil down to a couple of players and, and it's, it's, it's what I was kind of alluding to before with how disruption, you know, this, this offense doesn't uh, flourish as much in against disruptive factors. Um, because there is so much coordination that has to happen between everybody. Um, and it's not that way with every offense. It's This is something that they've chosen because they wanted to overcome limitations um, without giving anything up. It's They want a two plus two equals five. And so this, this is what they've, this is what they've done with the offense in order to, to do that. Um, and this is the drawback to it, but I do think it is probably a couple of players, as you suggested, um, one of the made the problems, the primary issues with the sugar huddle idea. Uh, and, and I do believe that Alf, you're probably right. They should mix that in there. But the reason that you have to mix it in there, um, and not rely on it too much is what happened to the, uh, San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl when they played, um, against, uh, New England and Brian Flores' defense or sorry, not San Francisco 49ers. Did I just say it's San Francisco? Yeah. I, I, I the, Rams. The, the Rams, the Rams in the, in the Super Bowl when they faced the new England, they did a lot of sugar huddling. They did a lot of getting up to the line, uh, in time for, um, for the, the coaches to still be speaking in the quarterback's ear and, um, and to call plays at the line and new England knew about that tendency and they exploited it. You know, they exploited it by, uh, by having, uh, two, two, essentially two different defensive play calls, on every play uh, and showing one look, knowing that they were going to completely morph into another look um, and another uh, and another defensive play call um, pretty much at all times. So they combated that. They figured it out. And so I, I think in, the, in this league, if you show anybody too much of anything, they're going to figure it out, you know. And, and so uh, so that's why I kind of have operated under the assumption that at some point this year we're going to go through kind of the um the doldrums with the offense you know they're the this the offense that we saw in the first couple of weeks the first you know um five six weeks whatever uh couldn't last necessarily and um and i think that uh i think that this is part and parcel to it so they'll figure out some options in the bye week but i think um to simon's point about you know cedric wilson when River Craycraft comes back, that's probably going to help the offense actually, because I think that he is a little bit better, uh, a little bit on top of the um, the coordination and the multiple position playing. Um, so yeah, that'll be that'll be one thing that they they probably get back. And then the other thing is, you know what will blast through all of these concerns on the road when you're facing a tough defense on the road? 
when you got a guy like Devon Achan, you know, who's just who's just dicing you up on the ground. Um, and I don't think the coordination has to be quite as on top of things um, pre-snap uh, in order to to have that happening. A guy that's averaging like what thirteen yards per carry right now. Um, you know, I think when he comes back, that's going to be a huge boost on the road. That's kind of your that's kind of your X factor, your secret weapon to winning on the road. Even though you have these disruptive factors that are um, that are causing the offense, the elegant offense that you've built on paper to collapse a little bit. All right. It seems like we've lost Simon. Uh, his internet is failing him. And yeah, before, he's, and- he's, asleep. he's asleep. He's let's, <laughs> let's admit it. He's, he's going to bed. He's going to sleep. He's tired. Yes. He's, it was he's a long a, week. He's had a rough, he's had a rough trip to Germany and went, it went so stunningly well for most of it. And then the yeah. dolphins lost. And it's the life of a celebrity, Chris. Life of a celebrity, you know that's you know? that's exactly uh, that's exactly right. He's uh, he's sipping on his um, on his Fiji uh, his Fiji water and uh, going to bed. All right, now a little background before I ask this question of Chris. If you've known me and you've listened to me on this show for the past six years, I am, and this is my personality in all things. By the way, I'm one of those relax, calm down, don't make an emotional decision. You know, let's look at all the factors. Let's do nothing before doing something, okay? Because I'm of the strong belief that if you make rash decisions and you overreact to one thing, you could fuck everything up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, uh-huh. So I'm, I'm, I'm the very likely guy to say, you know what? Relax. Mm-hmm. Calm down. Let's see it through. You know, everything is fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> As everything is burning down around me. You know, I'm that type of guy. Well, guess what? Uh, I almost called you Simon. Guess what, Chris? What? I'm at my. Uh, I think I've reached the point. I think they broke me. <laughs> I think they broke you. Yeah, that snap. That snap broke me. Uh, snap I think I'm ready. You. I think I'm ready to go with the nuclear option. Connor Williams at left guard. Liam Eikenberg at center. Yes, I know that sounds weird. I I, I know that everybody knows me as the as the anti Liam Meikenberg guy. You know, I'm no fan of, of old Liam. But you know what? Connor Williams and Robert Hunt as your guard tandems. And, you know, Teron Armstead, who was fabulous in this game, by the way. And by the way, uh, let me tell you another thing about those, those you know, getting out of the huddle with four seconds left and then having Teron Armstead face a two-by-one blitz. Like, there's no time there to adjust to anything, you know? Yeah, it's it's yeah. completely unfair to the offensive lineman. It's completely yeah. unfair to the entire operation. We basically need, yeah, like, 15 true. timeouts a half to run this offense. So, yes, I think, man, if you have a guard tandem of Connor Williams and Robert Hunt and your tackle tandem is Teron Armstead and the the bound for the Hall of Fame, Austin Jackson, uh, I think you're okay. I think that's a decent offensive line. I think we're in good shape there. I think I'm ready. I think I'm done with Connor Williams at center. Uh, it's been too many. It's been too many bad snaps. And this one, this was not a good snap. Okay. Uh, it's outside of the framework. It's to his right. If it's outside of the framework and to his left, it's better because that way, you know, a left-handed quarterback can grab it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm done. Uh, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Liam, I- and this is the be- the be- if you're going to do it, you got to do it now. Liam Eikenberg at center, Connor Williams at left guard. I think it's helped by Robert. Now, would I change my mind if Robert Jones was completely healthy? I probably do change my mind. But I think Robert Jones, I don't know, aggravated that left knee. It's the same knee that he injured. 
and he was oh. complaining about in the game. You know, that doesn't end well. You know, we'll know more on Wednesday, by the way, but that usually doesn't end well, which means I don't know if we're going to see Robert Jones the rest of the season. So till Isaiah Wynn comes back, I think I'm ready. Are you? I I am, but it's for a myriad, it's for multiple reasons. One, um, you know, on on the whole, like relax, don't do anything drastic, don't you know, don't um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, that sort of thing. Just let's keep in mind that actually Liam Eikenberg has played more snaps at center in this offense this off se- or this season than Connor Williams has. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon Meikenberg has 304 snaps this season and Connor Williams has 290. Okay. So, um, we saw bad snap and snapping issues, whatever you want to call it, snapping issues in the first couple of games. Um, and I think that when it calmed down a little bit, you know, obviously we had the 70 pointer against Denver, um, with Connor Williams at center. And, you know, that's that's the sort of game, the sort of offensive success that they had against the Chargers in week one and then Denver in week three. You know, that's sort of uh, – that, and then again against the New York Giants, that sort of makes you fall in love with um, with Connor Williams at center and for good reason. But I did, you know, I did a little bit of a deeper dive on on the the location of these uh, these shotgun snaps. And what I just find with Connor Williams is – it's it's not that he's just you know firing the ball five feet over the quarterback's head and and having you know really bad snap issues. Although that happens too, <laughs> and that happens. Oh, though that 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 does happen. But I mean, you know that it's been it's been a little while at least I think since you know maybe a hundred snaps since one of those happened. I don't know, um, but yeah, it, it's not just that. It's that the location is where he's snapping the ball is just very erratic. You know, I went back and looked at the the all 22 of the Giants game, for example, and, you know, it's coming in, it's coming in above to his right shoulder pad, um, you know, snap after snap, you know, it's, it's like above his right shoulder pad and then below his, and then below his groin and then, you know, at the face mask and then, you know, on the, on the, at the hip, outside of the hip which is exactly the you know what happened in this game it was it was to the right on the outside of his hip and uh and he couldn't corral it um it's not that a lot of these snaps are egregious it's just that there's not a consistency there and you can see it in the body language of the quarterback because several times you'll notice in the game when Tua is uh getting one of Connor Williams you know rifle shots uh he he will have to leave his feet you know he'll 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 have to jump and uh, and get a ball that's above the face mask. And uh, I think because he knows that that's possible, he looks tense. You know he looks very tense when he's um when he's getting a snap from uh, Connor Williams. And just you know to compare it, I I looked at the New England Patriots game with Liam Eikenberg. Now let's keep in mind the Buffalo game with, with Liam Eikenberg. That was the first time he started at center in his I think his whole life. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. so, so that was, you know, there's obviously a learning curve with snapping the ball um, by his fourth game or fourth or fifth game, however you want to count it against New England. I would swear to you that he was just a more sound snapper of the ball than Connor Williams has been in any time in the last two years. And, and so I think that, I think that that, again, you don't want, you don't want erratic things that are erratic 
you know, entering into this offense that is built on timing and precision. You know, that's you can't you can't have that. You can't have those erratic like X factors uh, wreaking havoc on things. So um, so, yeah, I am willing to try it, uh, but also in large part because I want our, our guard tandem to actually be good, at, be good, too. You know, like I, I want I want Connor Williams at left guard. He's a good player. He's a good offensive lineman. He's very mobile. Um, he can get out there. He can. Uh, he, he's he's an upgrade over Isaiah um, uh, Isaiah Wynn uh, mm-hmm. at left guard. And I I would like to see that at least one game before I say to myself, you know what, that just ain't it. You know, and and, and so yeah, I would I would like to see it. And you had the right point it's now or never, you know, in, in the bye week, they're either going to do this in the bye week when they have time to get Connor Williams acclimated to left guard or just forget about it. You're, you're just going to live with the, the, uh, the snapping, you know, for the rest of the year. So, and, um, and, and let's not, let's not forget. This is still a, you know, there's humans involved. You don't know if a promise was made that we're moving you to sure. center centers, make more money. It's a, it's the simplest fact that it's a simple fact. Okay. Well, he's going to make more money as a yes. center. Yeah. yeah. Because he, he yeah. as a guard, as a guard, we already saw his market. Yeah. His market was six, seven million dollars. As a center, he could be 11. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a pretty big difference. You don't know if there was promises, promises made. Hey, we're going to get you acclimated to this. We're going to build you up to this and you'll eventually get paid this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's ever a time to renege on some promises, it might be now. Uh, well, it, it wouldn't even necessarily have to be a reneging. They just have to make the case to him that given the injuries that they have now, Robert Jones has a, a significant injury. It looked very significant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, although let's point now, out the coach, the coach said that they got good news on that. I don't know how you get good news on that. Like the, the yeah, guy was screaming I, in pain. The guy was screaming in pain over an injury he already had. So yeah, there's the no good, way the that good sounds news. good. What's the good news, Mike? I love you, Mike, yeah. but there the can't good, be good the news. Good news. The good news was just that he didn't fail the ACL test. You know, that, okay. when they when they do when they administer kind of the on field uh, ACL test, I think that was the good news. And and obviously, um, you know, X rays aren't going to show, or pro- probably showed no fracture, and that's also a good news because you know bone breaks take a long time too. But um, if, if he, for example, dislocated his kneecap. Uh, then, you know, there's, there could be damage underneath the kneecap. Um, there could be, you know, there's, there's still a lot to be seen there. Uh, so I, I don't know how good the good news can be with him. It's, it's obviously a significant injury, but either way you can appeal to Connor Williams on that basis and say, listen, we've taken injuries. This is, this is what's best for the team. You know, we're not doing this because you suck at center. You know, obviously, Liam Eikenberg is not a good as good a center as Connor Williams, even probably even when you account for the snapping, you know. Um, but this is this is what we do. We have to do for the team. This is what's best for the team. That's how you have to appeal to him. It's not you know, it's not about like reneging and saying, you know, hey, you, you're crap. At, you're crap at snapping the ball. We can't have that in this offense. So we're just going to go. and limp. That's not it. And that's not how you would approach it. You, you you come to them about the team factor and you say, this is a better team with you at left guard and Liam at uh, at center than uh, the team with, you know, say Liam at left guard and Connor Williams at center or 
Lester Cotton at left guard and Connor Williams at center. I think that's how you have to appeal to him. I, and and a lot of people are going to think we're absolutely crazy that that to even be talking about this. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, but I do think that with this bye week, you do have to consider it, and you have to consider it because of how precise this offense is. And and we don't even know. Because so much of the body language I was talking about with the quarterback and whether he's tense and whether he's whether he trusts the snap and stuff like that, um, so much is about, you know, what has happened historically. And after they just lost the game in this fashion, is that going to be in Tua's head now? You know, yeah. like because 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 that was that was the moment of the game. Right. And mm-hmm. and to have it wasn't even necessarily a awful snap but it certainly wasn't where it was supposed to be and um and you know for for Tua to have that now is he going to be thinking about that when he's just getting normal shotgun snaps now from uh from Connor Williams is he going to be thinking back to that is he going to be like you know so focused on that that he's less focused on the other million things that he has to focus on before the play um is is really done yeah, and not only that, that that blitz at the end on on that errant snap, um, I think that was a mistake. I think there was only supposed to be six that came. There was supposed to be one guy that was on and one guy was off, and they all came at the same time. Yeah, they all came. They I think came. that was a mistake. I think that was a huge mistake because there's no way that Steve Spagnuolo was calling that type of blitz because that type of blitz well, was going to leave Jalen Waddle eh. wide open. Over the middle, and not, not for about, nothing. I'm talking and about who could have punted it at him and gotten yeah. a walking touchdown. But also, let's keep in mind that you know Tua is the best quarterback in the NFL right now today, as things stand today, uh, against the blitz. Like he is, he has the highest uh, passer rating of of any of the you know qualifying quarterbacks, um, and he is you know he's the best against the blitz in the NFL. And in fact, if, if you go off of like, you know, um, like the PFF thing, which, you know, not everybody loves PFFs, like grades, grades, you know, um, which I understand. Um, but, you know, if you, if you, if you look at the uh, passer ratings, he has, I think the third best passer rating, but the PFF grade of 91.9 against the blitz is not just the best in the NFL. It is by far the best in the NFL. <laughs> you know, yeah. the next ne- next man up, Josh Allen, has a seventy nine point six grade against the Blitz. You know, and and Tua has a ninety one point nine. This offense and Tua in particular in this offense, they have answers for the Blitz, and they are deadly answers. And so, you know, Blitz Tua at your own risk. And sure enough, on that play, as you're alluding to, they came with six. They came with everybody. And Jalen Waddle popped wide open on that backside. And if that snap would have been there, uh, I because I, I I will swear to you right now that Tua Tua knew where that pressure was coming from and was already ready to float left, you know, in order to just buy just enough time to get that off to Jalen Waddle. And that's among the million things that he has to think about. Uh, you know, hopefully not the snap being one of them. You know, if that snap would have come in, I have no doubt in my mind that would have been a touchdown, and that would have been the uh, the game tire right there. Yeah, and I think that they're thinking about it as well, as far as starting Liam at center and playing Colonel Williams at left guard. And I don't have no hard information on that. Uh, let's just say mm-hmm. that 
uh, just you know some i don't know some tea leaf reading uh but I, <laughs> I i i will i will say this okay a lot of people don't watch games the way i do i like to look at the sidelines to see who's doing what and alamao luave has been oddly active the last two weeks listening in on everything butch barry's doing while the other practice squad offensive linemen are not okay mm. so i think they're acclimating him to an activation and if they act if they're activating him that means that liam is playing center and connor williams is playing left guard uh i think i'm ready to do that and i would do that uh all right final thing before we get out of here let's give some flowers to to some people probably chubb it wasn't not too long ago, okay where some we weren't even questioning it on the, on the podcast like man was this a bad trade did we give up right. a first round pick and what what was it a first and a fourth did we give up a first and a fourth we ended up getting by the way we did get jeff wilson so i don't know if you hey. want to tack on jeff wilson but we did use that pick to get jeff wilson so let's just keep it at a first round pick did we give up a first round pick and 120 million dollars to a guy that's not as good as we expected him to be i think the answer is coming in dude's a beast and he was special in this game and I, i'll get i'll get going on this okay and then you could take it away you want to you you want to know how they stop travis kelsey because the lazy answer is oh they had jalen ramsey follow him around they did not now when travis kelsey was in yi so they treated him as a wide receiver they kept their Vic Fangio rules, which mean and which meant that Travis Kelsey was going to draw Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey one on one. OK, uh, that's what they did. But whenever he was in line, he was getting a Bradley Chubb jam. He was getting a Jalen Phillips jam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was getting high low coverage from David Long and Deshaun Elliott and from Jerome mm-hmm. Baker and Javon Holland. It was a team effort. It was perfectly orchestrated and a guy who had great moments in this game in coverage besides also having a sack fumble was Bradley Chubb. Um, we're not giving out game balls. We don't give out game balls to losers, but <laughs> I'll give some flowers here. Bradley Chubb. In fact, the whole defense, I'm happy with them all. I thought they played a great game. They're trending up uh, your thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I'm giving away, uh, you know, I'm, I'm isolating two players here uh, because Simon is asleep and um, and in his sleep, he uh, he, he talks in his sleep and uh, and he phoned me up and said to give it to David Long. So, um, you know, David Long, I think, is a guy that uh, has had bumps in the road trying to acclimate to the new defense. Uh, he has been a more of a problem than a solution in some games kind of early on. And I think that you felt that a little bit when it seemed like, uh, when it seemed like Vic Fangio right away wanted to use, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle in his place, um, in the nickel package. Uh, but you know, as Can I interrupt you for a second more... to give you some bad news and some good news. What bad news? Justin Herbert looks absolutely terrified. Good news, the Chargers just returned a kickoff for a touchdown. Sweet. All right. I'll take it. Um, but David Long, David Long, game by game, almost almost every single game has been better than the previous game. And um, and I think that uh, he had a, a good game. Simon wanted to isolate him and, and put the spotlight on him for this because, you know, he he had a good game. He was part he was a big part of that defensive performance. 
and just the way that he's come on and now is fitting within the scheme uh, instead of, you know, seeming like being the guy kind of over and over again who wasn't quite in the place that he needed to be. I think that's really something, and it's a testament. It's a credit to him. Uh, not a, not every player can really go to a new scheme and and go be, you know, the player that that they were when they made the money, you know. And so um, that's a good one. Personally, I'm going to give it to Xavier or Xavier Howard for this game. I think that he was phenomenal in coverage. I think uh, coming back from, um, you know, from the from the groin injury, you know, that that can be a tough injury to come back from. He missed some games and, you know, he was even getting, you know, a little more physical. And I think that him having Jalen Ramsey there, having the secondary completely intact the way that they designed it with uh, Xavier Howard on one side, Jalen Ramsey on the other side, Cater Coho in the slot. And Nick Needham coming in um, in dime, I think that you know maybe that's helped Xavier Howard uh, somehow. But you know he seemed refreshed in that game, and he had one of the best games that I've seen him have in a long time. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, I, I love the way he was moving, and I, I like yeah, you know he they 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 wanted to call him for all types of things, but you got to have a name to get a call. You had to be called like AJ Brown. Or Stefan Diggs to get some of those calls, not right. you know, not whatever the hell those guys were. <laughs> if your name is Sky Moore, yeah, you're not gonna get that call. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, I was very impressed by our 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 defensive line, our linebackers, our secondary, our entire secondary. I was extremely impressed. Uh, the only thing that I wasn't impressed by was why was Zach Sealer trying to pick up that ball? He actually did he have designs in his head of picking up that ball and running it into the end zone. I don't know, but that's the second week in a row. Uh, because remember, remember when Deshaun Elliott tried to scoop and score, and as yes. a result, the ball ended up going out of bounds. And I'm wondering if Miami's coaching that because that that really made me angry. But by the way, uh, do you know how many how many yards the pair together, Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey, allowed in coverage? How many? Twenty one. Nice. They allowed they allowed four catches. On seven targets for 21 yards. There it is. That's you know that's the defense that we had in mind. That's that's the good news that people are going to ignore because of uh, because overall it was a loss. But um, if if that's what the Dolphins are going to be bringing from now on on the road against good offenses, the season's looking up to me. Yeah, and and you talked about this uh, about that today. You know, everybody thought, oh, they can't beat a winning team. Mike Tirico yeah. had a great had a great point two years ago when the Bengals played their first playoff game in 31 years at home to to win. No, they hadn't won a playoff. They game hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years against the Raiders, and they played against the Raiders at home. They won that game and they made a Super Bowl appearance, and then they almost made yeah. another one the following year. So, you don't have to beat you don't have to beat the good teams during the regular season. That isn't that is an absolute myth and a lie, you know, that that people will sell you because because they think it makes sense. But they usually can't actually cite data or, or history because there isn't data and there isn't history to back up those statements. It is it is false. It is it is an absolute myth. You don't have to beat the good teams during the regular season. You have to do it in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. the teams that the teams that go further in the playoffs are not the ones that have 
you know, experience beating good teams during the regular season. That is random. That is random. That is not that is not any kind of indicator of uh, of playoff performance. The best indicator of playoff performance is actually the team that most consistently stomps the inferior opponents. Mm-hmm. Those are the teams that actually go further in the playoffs. And, you know, you, you can you can scoff at it all you want because you think something makes sense. But, you know, don't trust data, not lore. Um, so I think that that's, you know, that's something people have to keep in mind. All right. That's going to have to do it. And we have a little change in the schedule for, for this week. But we're going to probably do uh, a different type of show on Thursday. We're going to look back at the first half of the season. Then the following Monday, instead of a, a recap, uh, we're going to start looking forward to the second half of the season. And then, of course, next Thursday, we will preview Raiders, Dolphins, and Miami. Uh, back to the friendly confines, okay, where they average 40 points a game. So not that that's going to help the, 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 <laughs> the narratives any. You know what can help the narratives? If the Chargers can win today. Do you know, uh, Chris, that our our record against uh, winning opponents will improve if, if that happens? Yeah. So because the narrative the Chargers, kind of, the narrative the starts to slowly go yeah. away. So all we need, yeah. all we need is like the Giants to rip off like six or seven wins in a row, or or the Broncos to get hot. That could happen, by the way. <laughs> that could happen, by the way. Yeah, I can. I I agree with you there. Okay, so all we need is for some of these these uh, these dregs of society that we've beaten, uh, if you hear these people talk about it, to rip off a few wins. Starting with the Chargers here, Chargers pull off this win. All of a sudden, you know, we're we're not so bad against uh, against teams with winning records. But all right, that's gonna have to do it. We will talk to you again later on this week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.